pleasure to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Um, I hope that it will be a pleasure to you also. Um, we are continuing our teaching series through the book of First Corinthians, titled Grow Up. Um, the passage we're looking at this morning is First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. Um, so the title for my message today is Unity in Diversity. Um, I flirted around with a few titles. I was going to say the church is a unity in diversity, um, body language, we all need each other. Um, I share those titles just so you get a gist of where I'm going, um, what I think the text is about, and hopefully this will be displayed as we go through. Um, so the title is Unity in Diversity. We live in polarized times with many sharp disagreements. Um, if you are current with uh, political discourse, um, social media right now, um, debates on who to vote for, how to run a country, um, lots of discussions around racism. Um, and if I can just generalize for a moment, it would seem that you have one group that seek to conserve society, um, holding on to a set of norms as to like culture and ethics and religion, which when you push it too far, can become a uniformity, can become um, dominance. It doesn't allow for diversity. We've seen in history extreme examples of this with um, neo-Nazism. Um, yeah, you know, um, this is an extreme. And then, you know, if we're going to have unity... True unity has to have diversity. Otherwise, you're just forcing unity on people. Um, but if I can also generalize, there can be another group that want to force and push diversity to such an extreme that norms are gone. And so what that looks like is, like that, I can't remember the woman's name in, in, in America, where you have a, a, a white woman who says, I choose to self-identify as a black woman. Or you have a biological man who's born as a biological man who says, I choose to identify as a woman. And so this issue of unity and diversity, um, you know, every, every culture and society, I believe, has some sort of utopian dream about how they're going to run society and everyone thinks is if, if only we got it right then we'll create some sort of utopia but because of sin because we're fallen um, there are divisions man since the beginning of time has been divided and dividing over um, social status or racial lines um, and because of sin we are proud uh, we divide, we look down on other people, um, and we create these divisions. And whilst I think that on this side of eternity, there won't be any utopia, the good news is that God has sent his son. And his son 
represents all people, all ethnicities, all groups. Jesus is from eternity, so he represents everyone. And he represented us. He took our sin on the cross. You know, our sins that divide, our sins that cause us to be proud, to divide, to look down on other people. He paid for our sins on the cross. He resurrected and he ascended and he sent his spirit. And his spirit, which he sent, I believe that the church is God's creation by the spirit. And that through the spirit, you have a unity and diversity that is a more truer or as close you could get. I mean, sin still remains and the church will have problems like it did in Corinth, like it does through history, like it has now. Um, But I believe that the church is a unity and diversity and God has done this by his spirit. I believe that our text this morning will um, speak to us about our sin, how we're prone to be selfish, self-centered. Um, I believe that our text this morning will help us um, unify um, and reflect the God who made us. Um, so let me... Um, sorry, one second. Yeah, sorry. So I believe that um, our text this morning will address some of the diversities um, and speak to that issue. But before I read our text, just a little bit of context. So like we're in a new section sort of in Corinthians where in chapter 12, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, um, and Denzel covered that last week. Um, So concerning spiritual gifts, The issue at Corinth was they were esteeming some gifts above other gifts, um, creating a uniformity, creating a church culture that was um, only for those who had particular gifts, or they were dividing over social status and social lines. And so the text we saw last week is Paul is explaining how the Spirit has given a diversity of gifts that all come from the same source. So let's read our text this morning. So reading from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, 
God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. You're not coming out on the thing. Better, yeah. Cool. So, um, I've outlined our text today in three sections, um, from from verses twelve to fourteen. Um, I've I've got a heading called "The Body of Christ: Unity and Diversity." The second section will be body life applications from verses 15 to 26. And then my third heading will be, the body of Christ is diverse in ministries and gifts, from verses 27 to 31. So starting with our first section, the body of Christ, unity in diversity. So what Paul does is, he takes the metaphor of a body, a human body, and he's using it to speak of a profound truth about the nature of the church. Namely, that the church is the body of Christ, and that body is a unity in diversity. Just like a human body, like my body has many parts, but I am one. So Paul's using this metaphor, and this metaphor was common in Paul's day. The Corinthians would have known about this metaphor. It was a metaphor that was used in the Greco-Roman world, um, used by emperors and historians to refer to the masses, And often the emperors would use this metaphor to appeal for a unity in diversity. Often where the slaves or the peasants would revolt, they would use this metaphor to get in line and say, look, like we we need this to function as one. What's interesting is Paul takes this metaphor and he reverses it. He reverses the metaphor. So the way they would use the metaphor is the bottom serves the top. But Paul reverses this metaphor. But I'll speak more about that in the second section. But what's interesting about 
What's interesting about verse, verse 12 is what you would expect Paul to say is that, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the men, members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with the church. That's what you'd expect Paul to say. But what Paul actually says is, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So the question is, how is Christ a body with many members? How is that? And the answer is in verse 13. He says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. I left out the uh, part of that verse there. Um, so what Paul is saying is that by the Spirit, when a person is joined to Christ, they are baptized, they are baptized by the Spirit into Christ's body, right? So the church then is a unity in diversity. <clears throat> Sorry, one second, lost my train of thought. So what Paul says is that when a person accepts Jesus, they receive the Spirit, and that they are joined in with him in union, as a limb to a, to a body, but also with other parts. And I think that this truth ought to impact the way we view church, or how we think of our faith and relationship to God and one another. Because I think sometimes in, in our context and culture, church is become an optional extra to our already personal relationship with Jesus. And what Paul is saying is, no, when you are baptized, you are in one body. You are joined with Christ with other people. And so I think that... Um, I think this should change the way we view, we view um, church and, and our faith, that we are joined, that we are supposed to be together. You know, we're not supposed to just worship Jesus alone, but we need each other, you know. And, and it's a peculiar um, saying, um, the baptism. Um, what does it mean to be baptized um, into Jesus' body by the Spirit? Um, I think that, there is some confusion in, in Acts where it would seem that the baptism seemed like a second initiation. Um, but I think this is a little bit of a mistake because the Spirit hadn't been given till after Pentecost. And so if you had received the baptism of John or the disciples when they went around baptizing um, and the Spirit hadn't been given yet, of course, after Pentecost, they're going to ask have you received the baptism of the Spirit? I only mention this because some people would think that this is some second initiation, um, which is problematic because what you have then is a two-tier Christian status where some who are Christians and some who are baptized in the Spirit and thereby creating divisions. And that is exactly the kind of thing Paul is trying to get away from, that there are these divisions. He's trying to call for unity that we're all um, one by the, by the Spirit of God. Um, 
But what is beautiful about this is that we are made one, we are baptized into Jesus, we are part of Jesus' family, and that that oneness is not a uniformity. There is diversity. If you notice here, he says, for we all have received the Spirit. And he says it's for the Jew and the Greek, the slave or the free. So this is a way of the Jew and the Greek is like a division of ethnicity potentially or um, culture and religion. And slave or free is like social status. And Paul is saying that we all have received. What's interesting is that there's there's a diversity to the oneness of, of the body. You know, there's Jew, there's Greek. And I think that's an interesting thing to hold on to because God has made the church to have diversity. You know, there's a lot of discussion right now on um, relational uh, um, racism issues. And there'll be some that would want to jump to these verses to appeal to our unity um, as if there's no conversations to be had around distinctions. And it's important to know that the Jew still remained a Jew. And the Greek was a Greek, but yet they were one by the Spirit. You know, and so you will have ministries where Paul was an apostle to the, to the Gentiles and Peter was an apostle to the Jews, you know, but it wasn't to the detriment of the rest of the body. You know, you see in Galatia where Peter, under pressure, decides he's going to just eat with the Jews and Paul rebukes him and says, you are tearing down uh, the foundation of the gospel, that we are all justified in Christ, that we all receive the Spirit. There isn't supposed to be uh, superior Christians and inferior Christians. And I think this truth, you know, is one you experience in a church. There's so many relationships that you have where you're like, I never would have had this relationship if it weren't for Jesus. You know, I, I might be with an elderly lady in her 60s and I've gone around there for a prayer meeting and you just sit back and you're like, Wow, look what, look what God has done. The other day I was in King's Cross and I was, I was waiting for someone and I saw this group of Christians and they were praying and they caught my eye and they invited me in. to the. They said, come, come and pray with us. And, and I thought, why not? We was in the street and, and this was like two weeks ago. And what was interesting, like, as I just observed, it was like there was a Korean, an Ethiopian, Caribbeans, myself, um, and I just look back like, wow, look what, look what God has done. You know, look what God has done. And this is God's plan for the church. You know, God wants a church that is diverse. Um, yeah. So we looked at how the body of Christ is a unity in diversity. And how we are joined together, that we are, have mutual dependence. We need each other. You know, this isn't a solo walk. This isn't a me and God personal relationship. But actually, that, re- that relationship with God has, has, expresses itself in the body, in, in, the, in the limbs joined together. And so, going on to my second section, the body life applications... From verses 15 to 26, Paul starts to personify 
the parts of the body, right? And in verses um, 15 to 26, um, we see two things that the body can't say either about itself or about other people. In verse 15, this is what we can't say about ourselves. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body, right? And in verse 21, this is what we can't say about other people. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So what you have here is that a group that are feeling, being made to feel inferior because they don't have a certain gift, and a group that feels superior. You notice in verse 21 that there's a sort of hierarchy where the, the, the eye says to the hand and the head says to the feet. So there's a sense of superiority, like above looking down, that I don't have a need for you. And this is the situation that was happening in Corinth. Paul is taking this metaphor and applying it to them. It's most likely that the issue at Corinth was the gift of tongues. We can't be 100% sure of that, but when you look around in Corinthians, there's clues, given how much time Paul spends talking about tongues in chapter 14. It was seen that there are some Christians in Corinth, when they gather together, this is the experience of church now. This is what it looks like. This is the, the experience. They get together and they're praying in tongues. And of course, those who can't pray in tongues are feeling like, well, I don't feel like I belong. I feel inferior. And Paul says, you can't do this. You know, you can't do this because the body, it needs every part. You know, can you imagine if my body now, if I was allowed to, like, my leg feels like it was the best feature on this body. And so leg says to head, you know, because I'm the best feature here, I'm going to sever myself from the rest. You know what I mean? It's a bit top heavy up there and, you know, not really feeling it. And head's obviously going to say, well, leg, you can't move without me telling you to. You know what I mean? And then the belly's going to say, well, leg, actually, if you actually functioned and done what you were supposed to and run around, then maybe up here wouldn't be so lacking. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so ob obviously, there's something quite humorous about the, Paul's use of this metaphor. Not that I think Paul's trying to be funny, but the absurdity of, of the body talking to itself and trying to cut itself off. And this is what the Corinthians are doing. The Corinthians are a leg. And essentially, they're cutting themselves off from the rest of the body. And some parts of the body are being made to feel inferior. And some are feeling superior. And I think that in our context, Ecclesia, like, how would this work itself out? Like, in what ways do we, as a church, make people feel inferior? Are we a bit clicky? Are we just into our people group? You know, we just want our friends. You know, what's interesting in this passage is how it is God who has arranged the body, right? God has sovereignly, like an act of creation, placed parts of the body as he wanted them to. You know what I mean? When I first became a Christian, 
I didn't really have that many Christian friends. And I was really close to my friends, but the kind of lifestyle they lived, it was like, it was really hard to maintain those friendships. And so it was quite lonely for me, you know, because what I wanted is I wanted them to be Christians. So when I used to pray, I'd be like, Lord, I want the man them to be saved. You know, I wanted people like me because that's what naturally we're like as, 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 as sinners. We want what? We want the church to look like the way we want it to. You know what I'm saying? And God, I look back now and I think God knew what he was doing. God was like, no, 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 no. Like, I've created a church to have diversity. You know what I mean? And so you ain't going to be friends with them right now. You're going to have other friends. And I think sometimes we need to broaden our um, view of the church and the body. You know, that God has created diversity. You know, God might want you to be friends with people you never expected to be friends with, you know. The thing is, it's like often we, we exalt the spectacular gifts, don't we? The things that look impressive, right? We lift them up. And probably in our context, what would you say? Preaching maybe, you know, or singing. So like when you ask someone, how was church today? And they're like, oh, it was banging. And you're like, what was banging about it? Like Pastor Rob or Ephraim just delivered a banging message. You know what I mean? Or the singing was just amazing. You know what I mean? And what you don't hear often is like, my church was so good today. Day part, the way you were stacking them chairs, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, obviously, because it's like them aspects of church life look not as impressive sometimes. You know what I mean? Or not as spectacular. But the reality is like, if them things aren't happening, this ain't happening. There's no preaching. There's no singing. You know what I mean? So we need each other. It's like, it ain't just the preacher up here by himself. You know what I mean? As if he's just, it's all about him. It's like, no, it's about the body. And so everyone has a part, no matter how you feel or how inferior. And I think it's quite sad that we can sometimes create a church culture like that where people would feel like, they're not valued, or there's no need for them. But there is need for them, and, and they have every um, role to play. You know, Paul says that in his text, there are parts of the body that we, you know, the ones that seem weaker, he says. So to the eye, they seem weaker, but God's, God has this put greater... Um, God has put greater um, honor on certain, certain parts, right? Just the way in our body, uh, in my body, like Paul refers to the sort of sexual organs, it seems, you know, and says we'll cover, we'll cover those parts because they seem quite shameful, you know what I'm saying? And, and Paul's taking that metaphor again and saying there might be people in our, in our congregation that to the human eye, you know what I mean, would seem weaker, See, you know, there might be people where you're just like, they're a bit quirky, you know what I mean? Or they're not quite to my taste or, or liking, you know? So we're going to distance ourselves, you know? But God says, no, I've put greater glory on them. You know, going back to that, that metaphor, how, how the Greco world used it, Paul is reversing it in that the top served the bottom. You know, what did Jesus say? The greatest among you is a servant. 
You know, the greatest among you is a servant. You know, so if there's going to be any competition or any sort of superiority, it's like we're to serve. You know, we're to be <clears throat> laying our lives down. You know? So he says that God has done this. He's arranged the body that way, given greater honor so that there'll be no divisions in the body. There'll be no division, but there'll be a unity in our diversity. You know, that's, that's what God is building. Um, and it's like, if one member suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we should rejoice. So going back with that metaphor of the body, right? It's like, if I got a toothache, you're like, ah, oh, it hurts, isn't it? But like, know that the other parts of the body are going to feel that pain. You'll be walking around like, oh, the hand moves up, you know what I mean? And then you get a headache, and then you're pacing around like for this pain. Do you know what I'm saying? And likewise with the rejoicing, it's like, when you listen to music, what would be involved? The ear. You know, the ear's involved. You start listening, and then you start bouncing the head and clicking the fingers, and then... But, do you know what I mean? The whole body's like, yo, this is a tune. You know what I mean? And, and Paul is saying, that's how the body ought to be. We ought to have mutual care for one another. There shouldn't be people in our church that don't feel like they're needed. Everyone has a part to play. You know, everyone who has been chosen, who has been baptized by Jesus, you know, are filled with the spirit. The same spirit that's in me is in you, is in you. We are a collective body. You know what I mean? And so we're, 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 we're one. So I'm moving on from this section into my next section, which the body of Christ is diverse in ministries and gifts. So Paul now moves away from the metaphor and speaks in reality, just telling them plain like, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So it isn't just about one person. The body of Christ is diverse, right? And with regards to these gifts, these difference of gifts and offices, he lists them. He's talking to the Corinthian church and says, God has appointed first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, right? So this is the, 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 the context of the Corinthian church. And I don't think this list is anyhow comprehensive. Paul seems to you know, he ranks the first three, um, but then veers off into gifts, um, service, right? And there's, I don't feel we're to view these in some hierarchical kind of, like the ones at the top are better, you know, because that list there is also in verses 1 to 11, and two of them are just switched around, you know? And so the point from that passage, right, Paul then starts listing rhetorical questions. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Um, the obvious answer is, well, no. No. So why are you, Corinthians, majoring on this one gift, you know, as if there are other parts of the body? No, not one Christian is going to possess all these gifts. We're going to need other parts of the body. Um, so there's no room for us to be a lone ranger Christian. You know, there's no, 
You can't have this, well, look, I love Jesus and I love the gospel, but I ain't really feeling the church. It's like, nah. Like, you don't, you're not getting it, man. Like, the church is the body of Christ, which is all of us. And so if you're not here or participating, you lack, we lack, and everyone's needed, right? So Paul, Paul ends with, he tells them to desire the, 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 the higher gifts, right? And I think he will speak about those gifts in verses, uh, in chapter 14, where if you're going to desire gifts, like let us desire the gifts that mutually build people up. You know, these would be the higher gifts. Um, but what he ends with is saying, before he's going to speak about those gifts, he says, let me show you a more excellent way, which we're all familiar with 1 Corinthians 13 about the chapter of love. And I feel like what is going to cause us to not be proud, to not be self-serving, to not want it all our way, you know, to, to put the gifts in their proper place. Whatever gift you've got, if you don't have love, then what's the point? You know, what is the point of these gifts? You know, and so what kind of church do we want to be? You know, do we want to be a uniformity church or a church that is just kind of what we want? Or is it a church that embraces diversity, um, is other person-centered? Um, you know, God promised to Abraham that he would be a blessing to the nations, right? That promise is fulfilled in Christ. And Christ spirit has now been given to us and we continue the gospel work right if the church isn't diverse then that promise is not going to be fulfilled god wants a people from every tribe every tongue every nation all types of gifts god is calling a people for himself and so um i pray that as we think about these things um with regards to gifts, with regards to our position in the church, um, that we would embrace um, the diversity that exists with different types of people and different gifts, and we'd all contribute. Um, yeah. yeah, let me pray. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.